0: Hey, welcome to Crosswalk Church. Today, Pastor Jeff is bringing you a teaching, so head over to CrosswalkPhoenix.com and find today's message under the worship tab. There you can download the Crosswalk notes to follow along. And now, here's Pastor Jeff. One of my favorite people that I don't know, but he's still one of my favorite people, is a gentleman who's a Christian and a massive adventurer. You may have heard his name. His name is Bear Grylls. Bear Grylls has his own television program, and I, and I love that program. It's called Running Wild. That just appeals to the guy in me, I think, and probably many of you women would say that appeals to, to, my, to my adventurous side too. And on, on this television program, in, in case you haven't seen it, which I can't imagine you haven't seen it because it's such a great program. Bear Grylls, Bear Grylls takes people that you would never expect to step into the wilderness and he drags them into the wilderness with him and it always starts with a pop. They're gonna parachute somewhere or he's going to fly them in one of those parachute uh, airplanes or they're gonna jump off a cliff and right away, the person who obviously has slept on a very soft bed the night before, I mean, we're talking actors, celebrities, wealthy people, CEOs. These are not people that ordinarily spend their time out in the wilderness. Let's put it that way. They're not used to sleeping on the ground, and they're not even used to sleeping without a pillow when all of a sudden they find themselves with bare grills on a long long march through the wilderness. And it's interesting to see how these people who I think most of the time they would even admit how soft they are, how they respond to being dragged through some desert or some mountain terrain or some mountain-fed stream or lake by bear grills. Very soon they find themselves adjusting, even against their will. And the reason I bring this up is that today we're talking about a guy who's going to go through a very similar experience. He is a guy who was born into an extremely wealthy family. I mean, over-the-top wealthy. His grandfather, Abraham, had been extremely wealthy, The Bible tells us that his father, Isaac, was very successful, and so you can imagine this young man, and he was a brother, we've heard this, if this is uh, your first week here, a quick review, we're talking about a gentleman named Jacob, and Jacob has a brother named Esau, and those two, there's a lot of friction and jealousy between them, and A large part of that is because of the favoritism of their parents. Jacob's mother, Rebekah, favors him. Jacob's father, Isaac, favors Esau. And Jacob is a schemer. His very name means someone who grabs the heel of someone else to try to trip them up and slow them down so, so that he can get ahead, which is what he did in his own To his own brother, he came out second, but grabbing the heel of his brother Esau. Along the way, he steals the inheritance by cooking for his brother. And last week... We heard that he and his mother, Jacob and his mother, Rebecca, engaged in this plot. If you haven't heard that message, it's a wonderful message by Pastor Dan, go on the Crosswalk YouTube channel and hear about Jacob, this deceiver, this cheater, who snatches and grabs the inheritance right out from underneath his brother's nose by cheating him through a plot. I won't go into it any further than that. You need to know that, though, because Jacob is now running wild, and no bear grills. He's running wild on his own. He has been told, you better leave, otherwise you're going to wake up to find a blade in your back, or you're going to sit down to a meal, and that wonderful porridge that you like to make, there's going to be poison in it, and you're going to keel over because your brother Esau is not happy. He is ticked at what you've done. And so Jacob's mom, Rebekah, talks him into leaving. Even his father, Isaac, blesses him a second time. And imagine this very soft young man. In fact, when we're introduced to Jacob, we're told, Esau, his brother, was the hunter, loved to be out of doors. Jacob, we're told, was a man of the tents. He liked to hang around and be a mama's boy. And so now he finds himself all alone, no guide, marching through the desert, and he's supposed to go to relatives that live 500 miles away. Now, I want you to imagine being told today and the Bible tells us that he left with only, only his staff in his hand. You left your house for Bakersfield, California because the train wouldn't be all that much different. And you would camp out and walk from here to Bakersfield, California. Do you think you'd have some questions those first couple of nights like, Where's my next meal going to come from? Now, if you had watched Bear Grylls, you'd know that you could harvest some insects, maybe kill a rattler. But hopefully you know how to build a fire, unless you like snake sushi. This is Jacob. I'm telling you, this is a soft man, a man of the tents, and all of a sudden, he's camped out in the middle of a desert wilderness. Let's read. Pick up in uh, Genesis 28, verse 10, if you have your crosswalk notes, verses 10 and 11 are there. Jacob left Beersheba and he set out for Haran. This is where he was going. This was his baker's field. When he reached a certain place, he stopped for the night because the sun had set. Taking one of the stones there, he put it under his head and lay down to sleep. So Jacob knows he's gotta do what his mom and dad are telling him to do. And he starts walking. Now, this is collapsed a little bit, summarized a little bit, because we know that Bethel is about 50, 60 miles from Beersheba where he had left from. So that wasn't a day's walk. We're we're several days into the 500-mile journey here. And he sees a place near Bethel, which, by the way, was the first place Abraham had pitched his tent when he had originally, his grandfather, had originally come into the land of Canaan. So a pretty appropriate place. And it says that he stopped there for the night because it was getting dark, And he took one of the stones there and put it under his head and lay down to sleep. Now, I want to ask you to be very transparent and honest with me. How many of you have ever gone on a trip and taken your own pillow with you? Raise your hand. Come on, let's confess it, right? How many of you, second confession, have ever complained about a hotel pillow? Mhm. You will never complain again because I'm going to show you a picture of what an ancient pillow looked like. Let's put that up there, Gwen. That's literally an ancient pillow you see how it's kind of smoothed and rounded out there so there would be the right size to kind of hold your neck if you slept on your back and then if you needed something a little bit higher because you slept on your side you could kind of turn it around or sleep a little bit more on the edge and it would be about the the height of your shoulder please never complain about the hotel pillow again This would have been luxury for Jacob because he didn't carry that with him. He found a rock just sitting somewhere on the ground and made that his pillow. Can you imagine how forlorn this guy must be at this point? The man of the tents who loved being around his mom, who who was the family guy, loved to cook, all of a sudden he's laying out there in the dark Staring up at what must have been thousands and thousands of stars, and yet not deriving much comfort from those stars. I'll bet his ears are listening listening for every little sound. Are there wild animals out here? Is something going to come and try to eat me? Maybe his stomach is growling because he hasn't had much to eat that day. Maybe he hasn't even had much to drink that day, and he's not comfortable, but he He falls asleep. Here's what's happened. If you were here last week and you heard the full breadth of the story of what Jacob had done in deceiving his brother and his dad, by the way, because he thought he was smart, Jacob is lying there, I have to imagine, going, I think I might have outsmarted myself. I think my deception and my greed and my desire for controlling things so that they turn out the way I think they should, I think I've just outsmarted myself with my head on this rock here. You don't have to raise your hand for this one. Have you ever, looking back at it, gotten captivated by a sin. Maybe it's greed, maybe it's selfishness, maybe it's a desire for control instead of waiting for God, and you took actions based in your sinful thoughts, and then afterward you went, oh my goodness, I just outsmarted myself. Because now you're sitting in a dark place, maybe not physically dark, but... Emotionally and mentally dark. All the little things that people do and say, the little pinpoints of light that they try to bring, they're not giving you much comfort because you're saying to yourself, I want to kick myself in the butt so hard right now. What was I thinking? What did I do to myself? And do you know that is going to happen? When we let sin frame up our mind and our strategies for life, when we when we allow our selfishness, our greed, our lusts, our perceived needs, when those begin to drive our behavior and when we can't patiently leave God in control, well, even the Bible in Proverbs says, watch out because you're gonna turn around at some point and see that you've outsmarted yourself. Take a look at Proverbs 1, 29 to 32. It says, since they hated knowledge, this means the knowledge of the Lord, and did not choose to fear the Lord, didn't choose to respect him and trust him, since they would not accept my advice and spurned my rebuke, see what it says there next, we underline those words? They will eat the fruit of their ways. And they will be filled with the fruit of their schemes. For the waywardness of the simple will kill them, and the complacency of fools will destroy them. You have to believe that Jacob is feeling something like this right now. Is this going to kill me? That I grabbed hold of on my own timeline what God had already planned to give me? Is this ultimately going to be deadly? so that not only have I outsmarted myself, but I've outsmarted myself with massive consequences. Last week we heard Pastor Dan talk about driving to the airport. There's one thing to outsmart yourself and arrive at the airport 15 minutes late. And I love that story. But it's another thing to outsmart yourself through sin And have your life be on the line. And that's where Jacob is. The consequence, because honestly, people, we have to understand the consequences in this world are sometimes really harsh, really harsh. And this is why at Crosswalk we say, please take sin seriously, when you feel greedy or when you feel like you just have to be in control of things that God is supposed to be in control of, when you are driven by your own selfish desires, you don't know where that's gonna end up. And, and so Jacob is in true danger here and his life could have been on the line. In Numbers thirty two twenty three, it says your sin Will find you out. Just chew on that for a second. Jacob's sin was finding him out in this moment. So I want you to write this in. When we pursue selfish desires using deceit and one upmanship, we end up outsmarting ourselves, and sometimes with deadly consequences, sometimes with eternally deadly consequences. If I'm in Jacob's shoes, here's a thought that for sure is running through my head. Have I wrecked my chances? And is my relationship with God just toast now? Should I, should I even try? Like, I am so guilty, so truly guilty in this situation, maybe maybe I'm not worthy. And maybe there's no way or nothing for me to do that will ever make me worthy enough for God to love me again. I've shared with you before about about, uh, the lawn crew that I worked with when I was in college. And one of the things that these guys consistently said to me once they heard that I was going to college and then to seminary was, Preacher, we're never going to be going to heaven. We've pulled too much crap in life. It ain't gonna happen. I wonder if Jacob's feeling that. And what, what do you do when, you, when you're there in that very dark place? Well, let's, let's take a look at Jacob and maybe we'll find an answer there. Jacob had a dream in which he saw a stairway resting on the earth with its top reaching to heaven, and the angels of God were ascending and descending on it. There above it stood the Lord, and he said, I am the Lord, the God of your father Abraham, and the God of Jacob. Am I so unworthy of a relationship with God that I will never be able to come back from it? If Jacob is thinking that and this happens, oh my goodness, oh my goodness. All of a sudden, the one that you thought must surely have turned his back on me, deservedly so, is showing up right in front of you, opening a portal between this world, this dimension, and the eternal dimension of heaven? opening some sort of cosmic gateway that has a ladder and a staircase of some kind and angels are running up that staircase and running down that staircase as if to say to Jacob, Jacob, I hear you. Those prayers that you've been praying in distress, in loneliness, in darkness in fear of animals and unsavory people along the journey, in guilt over your sins, those prayers you've been praying. See these angels? Every last one of those prayers has been carried to my throne. And Jacob, I have other messengers, other angels, other supernatural beings at my disposal, and I'm sending them down this staircase To make sure you're safe and you're taken care of and that you're going to make this journey that you're on now i've i've got this how hard how hard it is for us to believe when we've sinned and when we are just marinating in our guilt and our shame over the wrong things we've done that hurt others, and damaged our relationship with God. How tough to go, God's still with me. God still loves me because he's a gracious and faithful God. How tough to believe that we could be forgiven. How tough to believe that God is still having angels come down and pick up our prayers and take them up to his ears and sending angels down from his commands to watch and make sure we don't get eaten. Isn't that amazing? Because what's true of Jacob is true for you. And if you are a person sitting in the same frame of mind that we can imagine Jacob might have been, sitting lonely, afraid, guilty, ashamed, kicking himself in the butt so hard, the message to you and to me is God is still with us. God still loves us. His love is constant. And he has powerful angels that are helping take care of us. And he wants us to all see a portal from here in this lower story that we're living into heaven, which is the upper story and all that God is doing through all of our little individual stories here. It's interesting because... Many hundreds of years later, Jesus is going to be introducing himself to his first disciples, calling them to to follow him. And a a young man named Nathaniel comes, and Jesus tells him, "I, I saw you before you arrived here. And then Nathaniel says you must be someone special. Are you the son of God? Take a look at what it says here, John 1, 49 to 51. In fact, Nathanael just declares it point blank. Then Nathanael declared, Rabbi, you are the son of God. You are the king of Israel, one of Jesus' first disciples. Jesus said, you believe because I told you I saw you under the fig tree you will see greater things than that, Nathaniel. And then he added, very truly I tell you, you will see, and then notice the quotation mark, heaven open and the angels of God ascending and descending on what? And who's the son of man? On me, Jesus. What's Jesus saying there? That portal that was opened up for Jacob Nathaniel, that portal is opened up for you too because I'm that portal. I'm that Jacob's ladder. And you're going to see through me that God still loves you, cares for you, has angels coming back from you and angels going down to you. In other words, Jesus is saying God's love is still faithful and constant and his grace is still active. His love is not deserved or earned. It's not about how worthy you are. We're all unworthy. If for a moment you think you are the guy or the gal wearing the white hat in the cowboy western, mentally take that off right now. Because we're all the people, we're in the black hat, we're we're the bad guys. And we need that portal of love open to us, just as Jacob did. And I hope there's hope for you in those words. Because if you've ever, ever backed away from God and run from him, or tried to deny his very existence because you can't handle the guilt of trying to live under a holy God, this story is for you. And this story means to tell you God's got you, no matter how sinful you are. Take a look at the last passage in this section. No one has ever seen God But the one and only God who is himself God and is in closest relationship with the Father has made him known. Jesus is the way to know who God is. In fact, we know that Jesus makes this claim many times over, don't we? What does Jesus say? He says, he never says, I am the portal. I'll give you that. But but he does say, I am the way, the truth, and the life. He does say, I am the... Gate for the sheep, over and over again, Jesus says, Come through me so that you can experience God's love from heaven and one day be in heaven to experience that love perfectly. Write this down in an unlikely and unexpected way. Jacob did not see this coming. You won't always see it coming because it's grace. In an unlikely and unexpected way, God showed Jacob a portal into heaven. Jesus does the same for us. By the way, he doesn't just show us the portal. He is the portal for us. All right, turn your page. Now, we're talking about finding God in an unexpected place, a a rock pillow under his head, in the middle of the desert, danger all around, guilt within. God presents himself and his love to Jacob. And now one of the most unexpected things in this story is about to happen next. Check this out. I will give you and your descendants the land on which you are lying. Your descendants will be like the dust of the earth and You will spread out to the west and to the east, to the north and to the south. All peoples on earth will be blessed through you and your offspring. I am with you and will watch over you wherever you go, and I will bring you back to this land. I will not leave you until I have done what I have promised you. If you would count through the I wills, you're gonna find seven of them. That means seven promises from God to Jacob. Seven is the biblical number of fullness and completion. This this is God's way of saying to Jacob, I am going to bless you in my love, in my grace, so thoroughly, so fully, so completely, it's going to make your head spin. Check it out. This land that you're lying on, Just like I told your grandfather Abraham and your father Isaac, this land is going to you and your descendants. Those descendants are gonna be so many, you're not gonna be able to count them like the dust of the earth. And their influence is gonna spread throughout the entire world. They'll spread out to the west and to the east. Not just influence, but blessed influence. All peoples on earth will be blessed through you and your offspring. Jacob, you might feel all alone out here in this desert, but I am with you and will watch over you wherever you go. Most people in Jacob's day thought of their gods as local gods. Most of the divinities that people followed were village divinities or maybe city divinities. Some of them reached regional level. But there were no gods in this day and age that claimed to be the God of heaven and earth and of all creation, except the God of Jacob. Wherever you go, I'll bring you back to this land. I will not leave you until I have done what I have promised you. I'm faithful to my promises. When Jacob awoke from his sleep, he thought, surely the Lord is in this place. And I was not aware of it. He was afraid and said, how awesome is this place. This is none other than the house of God. This is the gate of heaven. Imagine this. Imagine Jacob hearing these promises with all that he's going through. Jacob's heart is in pieces and the God of healing comes to him. All things are are uncertain and up in the air and the God of all wisdom and, and the God of all planning comes and says, I have a plan for you. Jacob is drowning in questions. And God comes through this portal standing at the top of that staircase and says, Jacob, you might have questions. I've got answers because I'm the God of all wisdom. Each step Each step, God was making a way for Jacob. On the run, in the darkness and in the shadows, God was relentlessly pursuing Jacob in his love. Do you believe that's true for you? Do you believe that God can put the pieces of your heart back together? Do you believe that when you're drowning in a lack of solutions to the problem you have and all your heart can generate is more and more stressful questions that God has the wisdom and the answers for you? Do you believe that God is walking with you each step of the way no matter where you are in this world? Do you know that even if you're in the darkness and in the shadows, There's a God who is relentlessly pursuing you in his love and in his hope. That's our God right here. I want you to look at what Jacob says. Surely the Lord is in this place. Will you circle that word Lord and do you notice something funny about it? What do you notice about that word? Surely the Lord, you have to look carefully. Yeah, it's all capitalized. And whenever you see in your translation that the Lord is spelled in all caps like that, that is the Bible's way of saying this is the Old Testament family name for God. We usually pronounce it Yahweh nowadays. Some people used to pronounce it Jehovah, but we've now come to the conclusion that it was probably pronounced Yahweh. Understand... That when Jacob wakes up and says, this is the Lord, he's using the family name for God, the proper name for the Israelites, the relationship name, the the covenant, or the solemn agreement name. This is the Lord who had pledged, much like we pledge in a wedding ceremony to, to Abraham and to Isaac, I love you and nothing can happen to break this relationship. Nothing can happen to break this relationship. I'm a faithful God. That's that's what Jacob, in one little four-letter word, Yahweh. That's what Jacob is saying. Yahweh, the God of the covenant, the God of love, the God of faithfulness is here with me in in this place. And he... Moses later learns is the unchanging and eternal God, the giver, the guardian, the gracious God. I want you to write this down. What Jacob recognizes in this dark moment now becoming much brighter is that his God is a giver and his God is a guardian. He's gonna take care of him And prevent him from danger. God's love, Yahweh's love, the Lord's love is faithful. And he blesses us so we can be a blessing to others. Notice what he says. I am with you and will watch over you wherever you go. But right before that, he says, all peoples on earth will be blessed through you and your offspring. God blesses you and me so that we can be a blessing. And I wanna, I wanna motor on that for a quick second. Yesterday in 101 class, I was asked a very important question. If God is gracious, the person asked me, and if I can commit bad sins, and I had actually just told a story about David. Now, if you know the story of David, that guy commits the longest string of the most serious kind of sins with Bathsheba and Uriah and all these people. I I don't have time to go into the whole story, but it is truly an awful story. Horrible story of sin. Where David did not step back after he looked over the roof of his house and saw a naked woman down there bathing and got attracted to her, he did not step back and say, where's this going to lead? Don't let me go down this slippery slope. I might think this feels right to me right now, but but God, you know this is going to end up with me outsmarting myself. If David had only done that. And at the end of that story, what we hear is that God sends a prophet to confront David over his sin, and once David is confronted, he finally repents of his sin, and he's truly and deeply sorry over it. The person in the class asked, well, if God is that gracious, if God is that forgiving, why don't I just go out and live however I want? Because... Clearly, I can just circle back at any time and ask because God is a faithful and loving God and he'll always forgive me. And you know, here at Crosswalk, if you've been here long enough, maybe some of you haven't, we teach about the two circles that God originally designed our world where he would love and bless and keep us and that's the first half of the circle and Adam and Eve and now us are down here and and then, and then in return for God's love, we would reach back to God with gratitude and our own love for him and our worship of him. What happened with Adam and Eve is the inner circle where Adam and Eve were drawn by Satan and their own sinful uh, tendency to circle back up into themselves. And that's where sin began. And that's why we say the the root of sin is selfishness. And, And I pointed this out to the young man. I said, If you think after experiencing all of God's love and forgiveness, his daily grace, you're just gonna go and live however you please and then come back to God for forgiveness, how is that different from this little circle right down here that says it's all about me? It's all about what I want. And he saw. That's using God's grace to live in the sin of selfishness, the root sin. And this is why it's so important because what I ended up answering him was God doesn't just grace you so that you can be graced. What did he tell Jacob? I'm going to be a blessing to you so that you can be a blessing to others. Once you've experienced this amazing forgiveness and grace, God is through that amazing love winding you and me up and saying, get out there and share this with others. Make this available. There are people in this fallen and sinful and depressed. Do you know know that depression and suicide are rising seriously to epidemic levels in our world today? We, We have never been wealthier. In this country. And yet, people have never been more depressed and suicidal than ever, than they are today. That just stuns me. God has blessed you to share the very thing that brings hope, that brings joy. He blesses us so we can be a blessing to others. Early the next morning, Jacob took the stone he had placed under his head and he set it up as a pillar and poured oil on top of it. He called that place Bethel, though the city used to be called Luz. Then Jacob made a vow saying, if God will be with me and will watch over me on this journey I'm taking and will give me food to eat and clothes to wear so that I return safely to my father's household, then the Lord will be my God and this stone that I have set up as a pillar will be God's house and of all that you give me, I will give you a tenth. Jacob listens. And Jacob gets it. Now, don't let that little word, if, trip you up. Sometimes people will look at this and go, is, is, is Jacob still seeing this as a transactional relationship that if God does X, then I'm gonna do Y? I don't, I don't think so, perhaps. But here's how I look at it. Jacob wakes up, he's had this amazing dream about God's grace, forgiveness, and how God is going to take care of him. And I, th- I think of myself in that moment. And I'm like, God, if you do that. If you, if you actually keep that promise that you just made to me. If you protect me and forgive me. If you watch me along the way. And if you bring me back. Oh my goodness, God. I'm going to build churches for you. I'm going to build places for you. And whatever you give me, I'm gonna make sure I return some of it because you, that's, that's amazing. That's how I hear that if. Not as if Jacob is still thinking, mm, I don't think God's really gonna do that. I mean, he's just seen a pretty astounding vision. I think this is the if that says when you hear some really, really good news, if that happens, oh my goodness. And I will listen and I will respond. And look at what the promise in Proverbs one thirty three. And will you, will you look at the verse? Now go back to the front. I want you to notice something. Remember we read Proverbs 1, to 32? That was the scary part where we underline, they will eat the fruit of their ways and be filled with the fruit of their schemes. This is the verse that follows next. But whoever listens to me will live in safety and be at ease without fear of harm. And why? Because we see heaven opened. And why do we see heaven opened? Because we see Jesus and we know that Jesus saw our sins, and his response was not judgment, just as God's, God's response to Jacob was not judgment and accusations and punishment. Now, what did Jacob hear? Grace. And when you and I listen to our Savior Jesus, what do I hope we hear still today through him, the gate? the way, the truth, and the life. I hope, I hope you leave here hearing forgiveness and mercy and grace and faithful love. Write this down. God gave Jacob everything by grace that just a little while before this he had been trying to grasp by deceit. Let that sink in. Jacob was trying to grab through sin, what God was already planning to just give him. Do you hear the value of patience while you're waiting for God to do his thing? In love, because you believe that you truly are a dearly loved child of God, bought with the blood of Jesus Christ? And in response, Jacob listened. Brothers and sisters, I hope you didn't just hear today's message about Jacob and God's grace. I hope you truly listened to it to the very point that Jacob got where he said, man, I, if God's gonna do that for me, I'm gonna respond. Whatever he gives me, I'm gonna give back. When he blesses me, I'm gonna bless others. Because the answer to not just standing there all the time with your hand held out for grace, is purely this, purpose. Paul says to the Ephesians that God has made you to do the good works which he has planned in advance for you to do. That's your purpose in life. And I pray that today as you bathe yourself in the wonderful forgiveness and grace of God, you see ever more clearly that your purpose in life is to do those good works and let God's blessings to you flow through you. Let's pray. Dear Father in heaven, Father, you are astounding in your love for us. And as we confess before this sermon even began, our, our sinfulness at times makes us want to flee from your holiness, from your anger, from the hurt that we have caused you and from the hurt that we have caused others in our lives. Lord, Jacob is fleeing from anger, the anger of his brother here. Help us to stop somewhere along the way in some unexpected place and open your word and read your gospel and hear that through Jesus, there is a gateway to heaven for us too. Through Jesus, there is forgiveness and mercy. Through Jesus, there is undeserved love. And Father, as we get blessed by knowing that beautiful gospel message, blessed with your presence and your protection, Help us then turn that around so that being blessed, we can become a blessing to others and live out our purpose doing the good works that you have planned in advance for us to do. And Lord, we lift up this prayer to you boldly and confidently knowing that we are your dear children. We pray this in Jesus' name, amen. So before we close, if you would like more information about Crosswalk or to listen to other messages, head over to CrosswalkPhoenix.com or come and see us. Services are held at Cesar Chavez High School at 41st Avenue and Baseline on Sunday at 9 and 11 a.m. Visit our website for directions. And now, some closing thoughts from Pastor Jeff. He is the eternal and unchanging God, the God of all of our days, and he will meet us in the most unexpected of places. If I were to have you leave here with just one thought on your mind today, it would just simply be that. Expect to meet God in unexpected places. In the darkness of your soul, God may appear. In the depths of your depression or your guilt or shame, God's hope and love might shine through. God might meet you in the most unexpected place of all in your own living room as you sit down in the morning and open up your Bible for your devotion before you start your day. Maybe on your way driving to your growth group, you'll start to say to yourself, I don't know if I should expect this or not, but I might meet God tonight in my growth group as we study the word together. Maybe as you take 201 class and you begin to come forward for for Holy Communion, you might say to yourself, I expect to meet God right here at Crosswalk Church as I receive his true body and his true blood because that's what he has promised to do. Expect to meet God in the most unexpected of places. Let me send you out with the Lord's blessing. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine on you and be gracious to you. The Lord look on you with his favor and grant you his peace. Amen.